Welcome to The Good Life with Dr. Danny, a program of Danny Yamashiro Ministries and Formation Institute. Divisions of Jesus Christ is calling you. To contact Dr. Danny and learn more about the ministry, drdanny.live. Now let's join Dr. Danny and experience the good life today. Danny Yamashiro here. Welcome to The Good Life. Encouraging you with inspirational stories to share with family and friends through perspectives of hope in Jesus Christ. Have you ever experienced doubt or doubt lately? Are you questioning God's goodness or existence? Are you challenged about the Bible's truthfulness? Do unanswered prayers, failing health, economic pressures, political confusion, and the speed of information make you feel tired and dizzy? Are you struggling spiritually or overcome you once again? Dr. Eric Rivera shares his story and a new book to encourage you. We pause here to remind you the reason we have the Good Life Show is to share how the love of Jesus Christ makes a difference in the lives of people. I'm talking about the love of Jesus so strong, my friend, that he died on the cross for your sins and mine. He was buried and rose again on the third day, offering God's hope. Hope that has been received by Dr. Eric Rivera and hope that reaches out to you. And it's our prayer that you would turn to Jesus. Turn from your way to God's way. That's called repentance. And open your heart to Christ. Receive him as your Savior and Lord and walk in his way. Dr. Eric Rivera is the lead pastor at The Brook in Chicago. Eric has a bachelor's degree in Bible theology from Moody Bible Institute, his Master of Divinity degree from Trinity Evangelical Divinity School, and a PhD in historical theology also at Trinity. He's the author of Christ is Yours and Unexpected Jesus, How the Resurrected Christ Finds Us, Meets Us, Heals Us. Eric and his wife, Erica, have three children. Dr. Rivera, welcome to our show. Dr. Danny, thank you for having me. It's a great pleasure and privilege for me to be guys. Where did you grow up? I'm a Chicagoan, born and raised here on the northwest side of the city. It's home uh, for me and my family. And my, uh, my dad was born in Puerto Rico. My mom was born here in Chicago, but they raised us here uh, on the northwest side. So we love Chicago with all of its beauty and ugly things. It's, it's a great city. <laughs> Well, say more. What was it like for you growing up there in Chicago? Yeah, so uh, Chicago is known for a lot of great things as well as some ill ones. Um, I, I love the, the neighborhood connectedness in the, the community where I grew up. Um, I love just, just the dynamics of the hustle and bustle of urban life, um, our sports teams, our foods. And I got to learn a lot about um, culture and community as I, I've lived in the neighborhood that I lived in. Um, Chicago is very compact, like most urban centers are. And uh, and, and there in the city, uh, here in the city, um, the Lord really just moved in my life through my parents and through people around me. It's been a wonderful experience. I, I call it home and, and wouldn't want to be anywhere else. What do you say? As you, you talk about your parents and growing up there in Chicago, who would you say influenced you most in your growing up years? 
Yeah, that's that's a great question. And immediately the first person that comes to mind is my, my older brother, uh, Roberto Rivera. He's about three and a half years older than me, but he's always been the one I've looked up to. He's kind of a, a just lived out his faith in a very tangible way. Our parents raised us in the Lord. And I'm thankful for that, uh, for, for he and my sister. But my brother is the one I've always looked up to. And so when I, I saw him making courageous steps of faith, it inspired me to do the same. When I saw him um, just having a kind of costly discipleship, it, it moved me in, in, the, in the same way. And so my brother certainly has been that person. Uh, to this day that I, I've admired, um, I've seen his faith in trials. I've seen him um, laugh and enjoy walking with Jesus. So he's he's certainly been the, the greatest influence in my life, especially that growing up. Does he say things or do you remember or hold close to you a certain phrase or phrases that he would he would say to you in your in those early years, maybe even today? Yeah, so um, my my brother is not so much a person of of those kind of phrases, but so much, but more so a person who um, he he just he enjoys laughter, and and I mean this like he's got a creative imagination, and uh, he he's really good at understanding the situation for what it is, and um, and not taking himself too seriously, and I think that just alleviates a lot of pressure in life, and so it's more so his the way he's gone about life even more than the things he's said in life that have really moved me. Just the power of a life well lived in Christ is, is the example my brother keeps having. So uh, I always really do appreciate that about him. Um, in, in particular, I'll give an example. As kids, we grew up playing baseball, loving baseball. And um, when he was in college, he, I'm mean, sorry, in high school, he played baseball and we all had the dreams of becoming big leaguers, which for, for both of us was not, not realistic, but it was a dream. But I remember a point in life where he, he said, you know, I want to follow the Lord and serve him in ministry. And he went to, he went to Moody Bible Institute, but he went to a college that didn't have a baseball team. And for me at the time, I was a, a, an eighth grader thinking, wow, you're, you're giving us up to follow the Lord. And, and just that, those kind of actions, I think were what spoke so loud to me about just living for Jesus. And, and that's something that, that I really, really admire about him. You're blessed to have a brother like Roberto, Roberto Rivera. Eric, how did you become a a devoted follower of Christ? You did mention growing up in a in a family of faith. Could you yeah. say more about your spiritual formation? Yeah, I'm I'm so uh, just I have a lot of joy and gratitude for the fact that my my parents came to know Jesus personally as their Lord and Savior when I was about one years old, and um, from that point forward, they really. They really strove to raise us in the faith. Uh, I look back on that and realize um, my parents were baby Christians raising babies. <laughs> and uh, just it gives me a lot of thankfulness to know that they really tried it. They did their best. And and that that's always been something that has moved me. Um, when I was in middle school is when this faith became a little more tangible to me, where, as I mentioned, my brother went off to college. And he challenged me just again through his life, but at times through his words, to, to be devoted, to, to really not make my faith something that I just do on, on Sundays, but influences my life. And then uh, freshman year of high school, uh, from the summer for freshman year to sophomore year, I went off to a camp in Branson, Missouri called Kids Across America. And I saw urbanites. I saw 
um, uh, young college students who are our camp counselors uh, from, from cultures like my own who just loved Jesus. They were so excited about their faith. And I think it was the first time I saw so many people who looked like me, um, who were from my culture, just so on fire for Jesus. And that had such a formative impact on my life. And, and I can say truthfully, from, from that point on to this day, that was the moment where I just decided to follow Jesus with all that I was and to, to essentially uh, strive to impact the lives of others through the, the, through the life that I would live. Um, and I had come to faith as about nine years or 10 years old, but, but that was the moment that my faith uh, was ignited in a unique way that I've never looked back from. And so that's where my formation really took off. And, and from that point on, God just surrounded me with different people and different opportunities to help me grow as a disciple of Jesus. Dr. Eric Rivera going all out for the Lord in that early season of life. And you've continued Eric, when did you meet Erica? Yeah, so I met my wife my, our freshman year of high school. So, um, and we started dating for whatever that means when you're 15 and 14 years old, um, that freshman year of high school. So the remarkable thing is my wife was at that same camp that I was at. And they had uh, this camp, the way they did things, there was times where they would separate guys and gals. And so the Lord was working on me and in my life uh, at that camp. But uh, little did I know he was doing the same thing in my wife, uh, now wife, Erica, um, at the camp. And so it's a really special thing for both of us to look back and see our our spiritual life bloom and blossom at the same place, at the same time, but not necessarily with one another. So that was pretty neat. And yeah, we started dating freshman year high school, dated all through high school and all through college before getting married. And um What's fun is that we not only just grew up side by side, but actually grew in our faith side by side. It, it was not a perfect relationship, but it's one that, that God was really kind and really merciful in our youthful ignorance to bless us in ways that I look back and I'm astounded at the way he's done that. You're listening to Dr. Eric Rivera. He's a lead pastor at The Brook in Chicago. You can find out more at thebrookshy.com. When we come back, more from Dr. Rivera. He's the author of the book, Unexpected Jesus, How the Resurrected Christ Finds Us, Meets Us, Heals Us. More from him. He is a professor also at Trinity Evangelical Divinity School, where he earned his PhD and his Master of Divinity degree. Pastor Eric Dr. Eric, he is blessing us. We'll hear more from him when we come back. Stay with us. Wandering the road of desperate life Famously beneath the barren sky Leave it to me James 3.13 says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. The Good Life with Dr. Danny is brought to you by generous sponsors. Thank you to Coach Dino Babers and Mrs. Susan Babers, Mr. Edmund Jung and Mrs. May Jung, Mr. Rodney Arias Sr., A1A Electrician, Cedar Assembly of God, and the Thursday Men's Breakfast, Boston. If you, your business, or your church would like to support The Good Life with Dr. Danny, 
please visit drdanny.live. Join our partnership team. That's drdanny.live. Thank you. You're listening to The Good Life with Dr. Danny, a program of Danny Yamashiro Ministries and Formation Institute. Divisions Christ is calling you. Now let's join Dr. Danny and experience The Good Life today. Well, they met at a camp when they were teens, and they went to high school together, and, and they also went to college together. I'm talking about Dr. Eric and Erica Rivera. God placed upon their heart the vision to recruit a devoted and to plant the brook in Chicago. It was in 2013. Today, the church continues to grow. You can find out more at thebrookshy.com. Thebrookshy.com is the author of the book, Unexpected Jesus, How the Resurrected Christ Finds Us, Meets Us, Heals Us. It's available at amazon.com and book distributor everywhere. Just go on, find it. Purchase it, read it, pass it on, use it as a Bible study, pass it on to family members and friends. If you maybe caught the tail end of the last segment, this program is yours on Spotify or Apple or any podcast platform. We can find out more about this program at drdanny.live. Eric, how did you discover intellectual giftings? You know it's something that comes slowly. I, to this day, sometimes wonder um, or marvel at the, just the ways the Lord has shaped me um, academically. Um, academics were always something that I was very passionate about. Truthfully, even in high school, I got by, I did what I needed to do. And, and in college is when I got more excited about learning because I was at a Bible college. I was very passionate for, for the Lord and for the word and so it was nice to be able to uh, read books that pertain to my faith, and that, that excited me. And then when I, I went off to seminary is when I began to really see that um, God had given me some some unique abilities in my academic life. In particular, I, I have a gift for, for memorizing, for um, just really soaking in different details and facts and it makes learning so much fun. And so when I was in seminary, my, my advisors there at Trinity Evangelical Divinity School uh, spoke a lot of, they, they affirmed me, they um, helped me see things that I did not see so well. And they are the ones ultimately who encouraged me to go on and do a PhD. Um, and that was just a really fun season of life where I got to just read theology, read the word, um, try to understand what that would look like in pastoral ministry. And so that's kind of how my, my progress happened. But again, it, it had to do mostly with the the voice and influence of theological mentors uh, in, my, in my graduate school years at Trinity. It says a lot when one is mentored. It could be said that if you want to see the future of where a person may be going or where they're headed, look at those who are around them specifically look at their mentors and I've heard such glowing things about you from men of the faith and of great stature. Eric, in your book, Unexpected Jesus, you write about an, an event that happened the night in November 10th, 
November 10, 2017, just before Erica's birthday party. What happened? Yeah. Yeah, that, that was a that was a difficult day. Um, my wife had been going through some physical ailments in the early portion of the fall of 2017, and we we knew pretty quickly something was not right with her body physically, and um, she was very attuned, uh, very much aware, and so we began to to pursue um, just doctoral visits, doctor visits to, to begin to find out what what was going on, um, and after many tests, lots of blood work, lots of um, different kinds of scans. Um, she went in to get MRIs done on her brain and spine on November 10th. And um, on the way home from the hospital, we had pulled into our garage here in Chicago and received a phone call from her doctor who said, we, we got preliminary results and we, we need you to come back in. We need to admit you. We, we need to put you in treatment um, because we've noticed some, um, some, uh, um, different different things on with your MRI. And what we came to learn is she had lesions on, on her spine and on her brain. And, and through a series of other events, they uh, diagnosed her with multiple sclerosis. But on, on November 10th is when we, we got the call to come. That's when we knew, okay, by that point, we had narrowed it down to a number of things and we knew MS was one of them. And so that that was the day that, uh, yeah, to go back and uh, day for sure. Um, but one that we just had to cling to the Lord. Um, the hard thing with that, Dr. Danny, was we had a surprise birthday party planned for her that same day. Um, me and my kids, are, we were all aware of how difficult the season had been for all of us as she'd been going in and out of hospital visits. And and it was a hard thing to tell our kids, for me to think, man, I, I've got to tell our kids not only that mommy needs to go to the hospital, but also that we have to cancel her birthday party. And, um, you know, actually, as, as we got out of the car that day, my wife and I took a deep breath right to the back door of our house. I see them looking at the kind of odd look at the at the the door, and they see the doorknob, and our doorknob had been bent. And as I got close and realized our door frame was um, was almost ajar, and that someone had tried to break into our house while we were at the hospital getting my wife's MRIs done. And so, of course, I, I you know, made sure my family didn't get in the house, uh, searched it out. It was cleared out, and and uh, it was. No one had gotten in. We realized that no someone had tried to break in, but hadn't. But uh, we got inside our, our dining room, and all of us by this point are, are in tears. And uh, because of the break-in, and I still have to tell my kids that we're canceling the party, and uh, my wife's going back to the hospital. So needless to say, this was a, a very traumatizing day for, for the five of us. Uh, but Dr. Danny, we, we just seen God draw us closer to himself. And that's why I wanted to write about that story in part in, in the book, because I wanted people to see um, that, that no, nobody's life is free of adversity, especially when we are followers of Jesus. But the, the, the Jesus who holds us is also the one who walks with us through our adversities. And uh, the promise of his presence in the midst of our greatest pains is what sustained us uh, during that time. And it continues to but, but needless to say, that, that was a very difficult day for us as a family. Would you go a little bit further as you, I mean, I'm, I'm on the edge of my seat, I, my producer, and we're, we're listening in with great intent. How did, in this seemingly confusing time, how did Jesus minister to you and your family when things didn't make sense? Yeah, um, I think about that time uh, often, um, 
And, and by the way, my wife is doing really well right now. All, all glory to God. She's had no new attacks since that original one in 2017. So we give God praise for that. But, um, you know, there, there were many nights I tucked my kids into bed. And, I, and I, especially our daughter, who now is 15, she's our oldest. Uh, I could tell she knew something was not normal in the household. And I'd tuck her into bed, tuck my, my boys into bed, and I'd just go cry in our kitchen because my wife was in bed already, um, um, just, just exhausted through the various things that was going on with her physically. And um, there are many times I would just cry out and say, Lord, I don't understand. Um, God, I'm, I, I want to have faith, but I'm really struggling here. And the way the way the Lord met me, um, my wife, our kids, was through a variety of ways. Um, one way was through just the, the the comforting work of the Holy Spirit. You know, Jesus calls him the Paraclete, which can be translated as helper or comforter um, or advocate, and he was just all of the above for us, comforting us with the kind of peace, as Paul says in Philippians four, that transcends our understanding. He guarded our heart and mind in Christ, and uh, and I'm thankful that he sustained us. The Spirit sustained us with just that, that, that comfort, even when we didn't know what was going on. Um, the, the Lord brought to mind scripture during this time, Dr. Danny. And, and I think this is just a reminder for all of us to, to hide God's word in our heart, as the psalmist says in Psalm 119, because um, it, it becomes that source of reminder, no matter what we're going through. And for us, uh, what we did when we came inside the house at the attempted break-in, we held hands as a family, um, tears streaming down our eyes. And we said, and I told my kids, this is why we memorize the scripture. And our one of our favorite verses as a family is Isaiah 41.10. And we just sat there or stood there and said, what does God say? Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. And I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And that was that was Jesus meeting us through the promises of God in scripture as the spirit had been meeting us. Um, and, and so that's that's how Jesus showed up. And, and, and I'd love to share even one more thing. He, he showed up through through the church community. I'm a pastor. My wife and I, we we, um, we serve our church just with so much joy. We love our church family. But this was a time where we could not serve them well. And they served us so well. They, they met us. They they cleaned our house. They brought us groceries. They prayed for us. They FaceTimed us with singing. I mean, they, the list goes on. And, and so Jesus met us in unexpected ways. But man, he, he was so faithful to meet us. The question arises, even as you listen to these sobering and yet consoling words from Dr. Eric Rivera, the question being, how does God meet you in your mess? Well, he's explaining and sharing heart to heart with you what God has been doing in his life and also what God, the unexpected Jesus, the Jesus, the resurrected Jesus appears and meets you even in times such as these. When we come back more heart to heart with Dr. Eric Rivera, the author of the book, Unexpected Jesus, available for you at Amazon. Find out more about him and Erica and their ministry, The Brook, at thebrookshy.com. Again, thebrookshy.com. 
Together, Dr. Eric and Erica Rivera also serve on the national speaker team for Family Life's Weekend to Remember. He'll be back with us. Join us. We'll be right back. Wandering the road of desperate life, famously beneath the barren sky. What can we learn about evangelism? Danny Yamashiro here. Rebecca Manley Pippert wrote in her book, Out of the Salt Shaker and Into the World. I once asked a woman if she felt comfortable about evangelism. Oh yes, she responded. I do it twice a week. Somehow it sounded more like taking multiple vitamins. Evangelism isn't just something you do out there and then get back to normal living. Evangelism involves taking people seriously, getting across to their island of concerns and needs, and then sharing Christ as Lord in the context of our natural living situations. For more inspiration on evangelism, go to drdanny.live. You're listening to The Good Life with Dr. Danny, a program of Danny Yamashiro Ministries and Formation Institute. Divisions of Jesus Christ is calling you. Now let's join Dr. Danny and experience the good life today. Dr. Eric and Erica Rivera also serve on the national speaker team for Family Life's Weekend to Remember Marriage Getaways. They are also contributors to Family Life's The Art of Parenting video series. And the story of us, Couples Devotional, is the author of the book, Unexpected Jesus, available at Amazon.com and book distributors everywhere. Find out more about him and the the ministry, the book, at thebrookshy.com. Dr. Rivera, what might we learn when thinking about this question, how do we find hope in the blur of pain? You answer these questions so so strikingly and tenderly. What might we learn from the resurrected Jesus's conversation with Cleopas and friend from Luke 24? Yeah. You know, what I love about the resurrection appearances of Jesus is that he he meets each person in the struggle that they were going through. Uh, And with, with Cleopas and his friend on the road to Emmaus, they were, they were extremely confused. They had hoped in Jesus. They had believed he was the Messiah, the Savior of the world. And then he had died. They'd seen him not just die, but crucified, uh, killed like a criminal. And their lives were shattered at that moment. And then three days later, they're hearing rumors that someone saw him alive. And so these men are, are confused. They're unsure of what to do, how to process these scenarios in their lives. And, and I look at their story and I say, wow, I've been in that place before in my life where I am confused by the facts that are coming my way. I'm confused by what seems to be God's providential workings. And, and I just don't know what to do with it. What I find so amazing is that in the midst of their deep confusion, lo and behold, Jesus shows up and walks with them on this road to Emmaus and they don't even realize it. And Jesus meets them with the question. He asks them, what are you talking about? Mm. And he's exposing the things in their hearts as they're sharing 
of to him, they're telling him, don't you know what's gone on? We're, we're confused by these things. And yet what Jesus does is he helps them understand from Scripture that these things need to take place, which tells tells me, Dr. Danny, that that God, it reminds me that God is in control even when things are confusing to us and that we can trust uh, his good and sovereign plan no matter what comes our way. And so even in our pain, there is purpose in our pain. Even in our doubt, he wants to build our faith through it. So no matter what we're going through, the, the encounter that these men have with Jesus teaches me that God is at work in the midst of whatever it is. And that that brings me a lot of comfort. And I hope it brings your listeners the same. Well, let's take it a, a few steps beyond. How may we learn? to trust Jesus on our Emmaus road? Yeah, that's a fantastic question. Uh, the way we do that is learning, first of all, I believe, to surrender ourselves to him. Life's not a puzzle that we are meant to figure out necessarily, but it's a journey in which we must trust the Lord each step of the way, even when things seem to not fit in together, when our puzzle pieces are not matching up. And it's in those times we need to just surrender our will to the Lord. Um, like I did in my kitchen floor saying, God, I don't understand. This is confusing to me. I just say, Lord, but I trust that you know best that you're in control. And then a second thing is, um, as what happened for these men, is they Jesus took them to the scriptures. You know, in the Bible, we receive all of the promises of God all of God's glorious story of redemption through faith in Jesus, um, all the ways he's worked through women and men throughout the ages. And when we read God's word, we can hold to his promises. We can see the ways that he showed up for others in their trials and their struggles. And we can learn how to do that. So it begins with surrendering our will to the Lord and then allowing his word to renew our minds as we rest in him. I think those would be great places to start out as we learn from these men on the road to Emmaus. Surrendering our will to the Lord. You you also write about lessons that we can learn from, from Thomas in John chapter 20. Eric, why are asking questions so vital to our spiritual formation, especially when we're in a dark place. It's so good. You know, I, so many of us have battled with doubt and do battle with doubt in different times and in different ways, uh, especially doubting our uh, things of our And I believe one thing that the enemy wants to do is make us feel a lot of shame about those doubts. What shame does, it, it, caught, it, it isolates us. We begin to hide away because we don't want people to know that we're struggling. What we need to do in those times, rather than feeling shamed or isolating, is actually um, begin to ask to those doubts. You know, Jesus tells his disciples to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, all your strength. And part of loving God with all our mind is not just researching and reading and studying, but it's also asking questions. Um, God, why is this like this? What did you mean when you said? Help me understand, Lord, why this is taking. This goes on of questions we can ask. And, and so Thomas, I think a lot of us can resonate with Thomas because we know what it's like to doubt. 
to feel like God has not met our expectations and wondering if we can trust him again. That was what was going on with Thomas. He had hoped in the Lord and and, and then the disciples said, hey, we've seen him. And Thomas wasn't there when Jesus revealed himself to them. And, and Thomas is just at a point where he's saying, I trusted before. I don't know if I'm ready to trust again unless I see evidence. And sometimes we can feel that way. And I think in those times we just need to come out with our questions. And then also bring those questions to trusted people who love the Lord, who can help walk with us through those times of doubt. Um, and, and I think that's what that's what shows us is that Jesus of our doubts doesn't shame us for doubting but does want want to cause our faith to rise and that's what he's going to do through godly people in our lives and through prayer and so yeah asking questions is an important thing so we don't get isolated and so our our faith can supplant those doubts you also drew something else out that might not be on the surface because of how conversations go on, stories about the quote-unquote doubting Thomas. But you point out from the gospel records the kind of person that Thomas was, which may catch somebody off guard when they think of who they think Thomas was. But you revealed, as the scripture says, who he really was. Can you say something about his character and his devotion to Christ? Yeah, I, I love this part of, of Thomas's life that often gets lost. Yeah, he, he's got that uh, that infamous moniker, right? The doubting Thomas. But but when we read in the scriptures, that's that's not exactly the kind of person he was. You know, in the story of Lazarus, when Lazarus dies and Jesus is being summoned by others to come to see Lazarus, Jesus tells the disciples, all right, we need to go back to Bethany. And uh, Lazarus has fallen asleep. And the disciples are confused, and finally Jesus says, Lazarus has died. But the problem the disciples have with Jesus at that moment is that uh, their lives are just threatened in Jerusalem. And Bethany is just outside of Jerusalem. And the disciples put two and two together, and they said, Jesus, if we go back, they may, they may kill us this time around. And, but Jesus says, but I need to go back to see Lazarus, um, Mary, and Martha and then Thomas says, very well, if we will go, let us just die. Let us die with you. And I see Thomas, you know, he should be known as ride or die Thomas, not doubting Thomas. Mm-hmm. He's the guy who says, all right, if we're going to go back and you're going to die there, we're going to die with you. This, this is a man that was completely sold out for Jesus. He was a man who was all in. And I think that's why he was hurt so bad mm-hmm. when when uh, Jesus had raised from the dead and he didn't see him because he had believed before with so much faith. It was hard to believe again after his faith had been dashed. But he's much more of a complex person, I think, like like you and I are. Um, moments of great faith. And then when that faith is hurt, there could be moments of great doubt. And that's, that's Thomas. Uh, and I think we can all relate to him. What happens when we, when we ask questions in the place of vulnerability, in the place where we, we might feel embarrassed, we might feel weak, insecure, insignificant. What does God do in those moments as we take a step of faith, even to, however small it might seem, express a question or concern, even in the context of others where we we might seem feeble or small? 
What does God do in moments like those? You know, I've seen the, the, the truth that he, he, he'll, he'll meet us all in different ways, depending on how he knows we need it. And what I mean by that is, um, I, I think of Peter, for example, who, who had this, this, this moment of denying Jesus three times. Um, but, but when Jesus sees Peter, um, he, he meets him there, but he asks questions to Peter that might seem painful for us to hear. Uh, you know, he says, Peter, do you, do you love me? And Peter's forced to say, yes, Lord, you know I love you. And Jesus asks him a second and a third time. And I think what Peter needed in that moment was for Jesus to help Peter understand that, that, uh, that Jesus wasn't done with him. And so when we ask questions, when we come to the Lord, uh, Jesus may ask questions back to us uh, to expose our hearts. Um, maybe that, that could be a painful process sometimes because we realize uh, we have a lot of a lot of different intricacies in our hearts. Uh, sometimes he just meets us with comfort, assuring us of his presence. He, he might uh, meet us with with a, that kind of gentleness. You know, the Lord is our shepherd, right? And he he wants to lead us. And so um, he knows what we need most in that moment, whether it's uh, a challenge, whether it's just comfort, whether it's correction. But I do know he will meet us based on what he understands we need best. And we can count on his grace to do that. And I, I take a lot of comfort knowing that. Take comfort and a lot of grace from the Lord, even in those very trying moments. Dear friend, when we come back from our break, a time of prayer with Dr. Eric Rivera. You can find out more about his book, Unexpected Jesus. He is just speaking so freely and flowingly about what he has written. John chapter 20, John chapter 21, Peter's life, Thomas, Mary Magdalene, he talks about that and more unexpected jesus available at amazon.com more with dr eric rivera when we come back stay with us wandering the road of desperate life aimlessly beneath the barren sky leave it to me on behalf of danny yamashiro ministries thank you from the bottom of our hearts for listening to the good life with dr danny weekdays at 6 p.m on weze and visiting drdanny.live for more resources my dear friend it is because of listeners and donors like you that we are able to spread the message of jesus's love and bring hope to people like you your family and friends proverbs 11:25 says he who refreshes others will himself be refreshed Will you prayerfully consider donating to Danny Yamashiro Ministries so that we may continue to broadcast the gospel so believers will be built up and non-believers may form a relationship with Jesus Christ? Visit drdanny.live to make a financial contribution today. That's drdanny.live. And thank you again for supporting The Good Life with Dr. Danny. May God richly bless you with The Good Life. Listening to The Good Life with Dr. Danny, a program of Danny Yamashiro Ministries and Formation Institute. Divisions of Jesus Christ is calling you. Now let's join Dr. Danny and experience the good life today. All right, you can follow Dr. Eric Rivera on social media at Dr. Eric Rivera. 
at Dr. Eric Rivera. He says, it's important for us to remember that even though we may not be able to see clearly, that doesn't mean God isn't at work. That came from his book, Unexpected Jesus. How the resurrected Christ finds us, meets us, heals us. Dr. Eric Rivera joins us today. Eric, how has God you, like how you helped your eight-year-old son cut squash? Yeah, my my son Levi, um, he's, he's so much fun. He loves to help out in the kitchen. He's just got an eye for cooking. And uh, there, there was a particular day where we were um, cutting squash, getting ready to prepare dinner. And um, I started cutting the squash and he asked right away, uh, Bobby, can I, can I help you cut this? And uh, if you ever cut squash before, it's not easy. It's not an easy task. You need a pretty sharp knife and you need some force there. And, and surely he, uh, he struggled to do it like I expected him to do. And, and sometimes in those moments as a parent, it's easy to get frustrated and say, okay, this is much easier without you, kid. Let me just take this and get this thing done. And uh, But the spirit uh, paused me there for a moment. And, I, and I, it was a great opportunity for me to just put the knife in my son's hand, uh, let him begin to cut. But then I had to apply my hand, my my force upon his hand to, to make sure that he had the right kind of strength to cut the squash. And and sure enough, he had a blast. He felt like he helped out with dinner, and uh, it was a meaningful time for him. And and I, you know, I, I got thinking about that after that that moment and realized, wow, isn't that how our heavenly Father works? Um, he invites us to pray. He invites us into His work, and surely we haven't got the strength to do anything of which we're setting out to accomplish or even asking of God, but He invites us nonetheless. And he supplies his strength. And the result is our joy. Just like my son had joy at the end, we get the joy when we rely upon the Lord. And he is just so gracious to work with us and to work in us as we as we strive to um, just honor him and give him our yes. Uh, so that, that was a spiritual lesson learned in cooking with our son that I really hold dear to my heart. That's a tender picture, too. Your hand over his hand as he carries the knife, applying pressure to get the job done. Yeah. What, a, what a tender way. Well, going forward, in what way does, let's say Peter's life, you mentioned Peter in our last segment, Peter's life in the Gospels. How does his life give hope to someone who feels like a failure? Yeah. Dr. Danny, shame is so powerful, isn't it? It, it has a way of calling, causing us to feel like everything is lost and that God is done with us. Um, I think we've all felt that at different times, through failures, through different sin or different, um, just not doing what we thought God was going to do in our lives. And and Peter is, is in that moment. I, I just think about what it must have been like for Peter, who had walked with Jesus, and a half years to at the moment of Jesus's greatest need deny not just once but three times the fact that he even knows Jesus and scripture tells us that at that moment when he denies Jesus a third time he looks across the courtyard makes eye contact with Jesus and goes out and weeps bitterly and I just I can't imagine a more 
difficult picture of grief and disappointment and regret than what Peter felt at that moment. And even after Jesus raises from the dead, Peter knows Jesus is alive. But clearly he's still battling that kind of shame, that guilt. And that's that's when Jesus meets him on the seashore of Galilee and takes him on a stroll, goes out for, with him on a walk, and, and asks him those three times, do you love me? Um, and and what, what Peter needs to learn at that moment is what you and I need to learn, Dr. Danny, and what your listeners need to learn. It's that God's not done with us even when we are done with us. Uh, Peter felt like things were over, and Jesus, through this conversation, restores him back into fellowship, back into into an understanding that Jesus wants him to still feed his sheep, go out and feed his lambs. Like that my calling, even though you failed, has not changed. And at the end of this conversational sequence, Jesus tells Peter, follow me. The very same words he tells him at the very beginning of his uh, his discipleship, follow me. And so, yes, we need to repent of our sins. We need to grieve those times we've we've disobeyed the Lord, but we should not determine that God is done with us if God is not determined that he's done with us. And let, let Peter's life an example be a reminder to us that no matter how far we drift, God can and will still use us, even through our failures, to bring himself glory. Uh, I find a lot of comfort in that. These are such powerful words of encouragement words of of hope grounded in the scriptures. And I just love the way, well, the Lord has graced you not only with the ability to communicate such deep truths, but with a tenderness of of, of voice, a tenderness of spirit, Mm -hmm. the love and grace of God, Dr. Rivera. So I'd like to ask if you would pray for someone who is in the middle of, feeling like a failure right now. Their life is in a mess. They are in a blur of pain. If you would pray for that dear one. And there's one more question I'd like to ask after we pray as a way of resurrection, hope, and purpose going forward. But would you pray, Dr. Eric Rivera, for our dear listener who may be struggling in these ways even now? Be my pleasure. Father in heaven, we come before you today and knowing that we come to a God who hears our prayers and not just a God who hears our prayers, but a God who sees our tears. God, I know that some of us listening here today maybe have shed tears because we didn't even have the words to speak. And I lift up those listeners, God, that that woman, that man, uh, maybe even that youth who is, is overwhelmed by their failures, and they feel that darkness is closing in, and that the dreams that they once had might feel very distant, or maybe they feel like they're, they're in a setback that, that is just so discouraging to them that they don't know if they want to get back on track. Lord, I pray today that you would remind them of your many promises, Lord. Lord, you promise to never leave us or forsake us. You, you promise to, to hold us, God. You, you promise to strengthen us. 
And God, you promise, most importantly, in these moments, to forgive us. And I pray for that man or woman that they would hold on to your promise of forgiveness, that they would look to Peter's story as one in which they can identify with, not just in Peter's failure, but in your restorative hand, God. And Lord, I ask that they would get a fresh vision of what you can do through them, that they would experience your healing through your forgiveness, that they would experience um, your reestablishing them on, on a solid foundation. Lord, we know that there are consequences with sin. We know, God, that, that the healing takes time. But Lord, we also know that you are God who is patient. You are enduring. And Lord, you will not call it quits on us. So I pray for, for that dear sister, that dear brother, that you'd renew their mind today and that they would hear you whisper in their ears, follow me. And that they would do so today with the renewed perspective, knowing God that you are good. So I lift them up before you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Eric, thank you. You pray about a renewed perspective. How, like Paul, might the resurrected Jesus give us new purpose? Yeah. You know, um, Saul was a persecutor of the church, a despiser of Jesus. And uh, he, he just, he opposed the Lord and his work. But he didn't have Jesus in his equations. <laughs> and Jesus has a way of inserting himself into our stories to take what seems to be hopeless and breathing life and hope into it. And so what he's done for Saul, whose name got turned into Paul, he could do for us. Um, he, he met him in his moment of resistance, and he said, I have plans for you. Uh, no matter how hard you're fighting against me, I have a plan for you. And we know how that story ends. God uses Saul, uh, he uses Paul, to, to spread the gospel throughout the Roman Empire and uh, countless people's lives have been changed through 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 Paul's obedience. And so, uh, yeah, through that renewed perspective, he saw Jesus as the Messiah, the one that he had persecuted, he now began to preach. The one that he despised, he would now die for. And uh, that's, that's what Jesus does. He can take us, and though we had a perspective one way, can turn it around, give us so much joy and purpose. Uh, and that's that's a source of great hope for us. And that's what he did for Saul, uh, turning him into Paul. And that's what he do, does for us. Um, he gives us a new a new life, new hope, new perspective. And, and praise God for his, his constancy. Uh, he, he's just so good to us. He sure is. He sure is. And he sends you to be with us today. A divine appointment, a moment where the Lord intersects with our lives through your teaching, through your writing, through your expression, Dr. Eric Rivera. And I'm so, so grateful. Would you just pray a prayer of blessing as we close today? I know this is a double prayer, but a prayer of blessing over our listeners in relation to this new purpose that is found through Jesus, the resurrected Christ. Yeah, happily, yeah. Oh, Father, as we're talking here today, I'm reminded of that sweet assurance that Jesus indeed has been raised from the dead, according to the scriptures, uh, that he appeared to the disciples, he appeared to his followers, and 
As Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, he appeared to more than 500 at one time. And Lord, um, this same Jesus who was alive then is alive now, ascended at the right hand of the Father. And uh, just as he met Mary in her mess, and Thomas and the man of the road, the Emmaus and the other, other disciples, he meets us today. And Lord, I pray that we would look for the ways that you want to meet us today, Lord. I pray that today we would be reminded of that assurance of faith that Jesus is alive and that he is working through, through the, uh, the comforting work of the Spirit, that he's at work through the power of the Scriptures, and that he's at work revealing himself through the community, through the church who is his body. And Lord, I pray that all of us today would go about our lives often reminded of your presence, that no matter what we're going through, that you intend to meet us, whether we're looking for it, and even when we're not, that you're going to uh, encounter us. Uh, You're going to show up in unexpected ways. And so, Lord, I pray that you would strengthen our faith today, that you would assure us of your hope, of Jesus' life, his death for us, and his victorious resurrection. And so I pray we would take that hope, take that assurance, and not just uh, allow it to be something that comforts us, but something that we then can take and comfort others with, that we can speak this word, speak these truths to the person in our life who needs to know that Jesus is alive, the person in their grief or their doubt or their just confusion, and that we would then not just be those that are recipients of these promises, but also those who are messengers of these promises. Jesus told Mary to go and tell the brothers. And I pray that we would go and tell our brothers and sisters that Jesus is alive meeting us no matter what we're going through. Give us strength. Give us faith, I pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 Thank you so much, Dr. Eric Rivera, for sharing your heart, for building us up, and for sending the word out for anyone, anyone who is lost, broken, hurting, feeling like a failure, there is hope in Jesus, the resurrected one. Amen. Words of resurrection hope from Dr. Eric Rivera, thebrookshy.com. My friend, God's timing is perfect, and there's no better time than right now to share the love of Christ with someone near you. And if you haven't done so, this, dear one, may be the moment for you to open your heart to Jesus. Go to drdanny.live for next steps. Find resources to reach family and friends. Subscribe on Apple, Spotify, major platforms. Matthew 28, verse 20, Jesus said, And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. It's always a blessing to be with you. Thank you to Dr. Eric Rivera, thebrookshy.com. Until next time, along with my producer and creative director, Brian Torres, social media director, Luke Yamashiro, and guest coordinator, Jan Yi. I'm Danny Yamashiro. Remember, the Lord is with you as you share the love with someone today. Thank you for listening to today's broadcast of The Good Life with Dr. Danny. 
We hope that today's program has been a blessing for you and that you may find hope in hearing how God's Word affects people from all walks of life. The Good Life with Dr. Danny is a listener-supported program, and we'd like for you to prayerfully consider becoming a sponsor or donor. To contact Dr. Danny and learn more about the ministry, visit drdanny.live. That's drdanny.live. Be sure to tune in weekdays at 6 p.m. to hear The Good Life with Dr. Danny. Until next time, may God richly bless you with The Good Life.